This is a total experiment. This is our first Twitter spaces for our first inquiry. I refuse to call it an episode. Luis and I are going back and forth on this a little bit. But this is a conversational initiative, an experiment in just bringing some friends together to talk about things that have been on our mind, at least for Luis and I, in recent months and years. And the first theme of of our conversations that we're going to tackle is Twitter itself, because having spent 15 years on Twitter, and it sort of emerged from there. And we figured what better platform to use than to talk about Twitter than than Twitter itself. Before I hand it over to Emily and Lena to introduce themselves, Luis, you want to come on and say hi real quick? I'm just really delighted. I, I want to call this a salon, even though that sounds really bougie, and it's not. <laughs> but it makes it makes like a little part of me really happy. I can't wait to hear what you guys think of this weird little social network we find ourselves on and off and on and off and off and on and off. So Emily and Lena, I'm going to ask you each to introduce yourselves, maybe with you, Emily, to start. We'll do this in kind of alphabetical order since Emily is before evil. First of all, if you could just introduce yourself in the way that you would like to, and then tell us about what your relationship with Twitter is like right now. One is that I wrote a book about basically internet dissidents in authoritarian countries. And it looked at the role of social media, specifically in China, Cuba, and Russia. And Twitter was a big part of that story because Twitter was a tool in all three of those places to to varying degrees. Also, I worked at the State Department on the internet freedom agenda. And and that was kind of around the time of the Arab Spring. And that was at a moment in history where like the US government was like really bullish on Twitter and social media as a sort of like liberalizing force. So, you know, my my relationship with Twitter and social media goes pretty far back just in terms of like professional work. I think I think what's really interesting is just for me how the narrative on Twitter has kind of done an about face because again, there really was a time when people were like Twitter is going to like overturn dictatorships and Twitter is going to like start revolutions and it sounds literally ridiculous to say that now, but that was like almost conventional wisdom for a couple of years, you know, again around the Arab Spring and now I'd say like the conventional wisdom on Twitter and social media in general is like kind of negative, right? I don't necessarily see twitter that way but i feel like that's how a lot of people talk about it now lena how about you does that vibe with you will you introduce yourself first and then yeah how how are you feeling about twitter these days okay so my name is lena swiniga john i live in san francisco normally i was born and raised in costa rica did a bunch of traveling and ended up in sf around 2007 and one of the first things i did in the first years I worked here in the, in, in the U.S. was to start working at Twitter in 2010. I worked at Twitter for four years. When I started, I think we were 250 people. And we had like 50 million users. And when I left, I think the company was like 4,000 people and it had 300 million users or something like that. So yeah, my relationship with Twitter is weird because I was there in... A moment of explosive growth. I was part of the localization team that helped uh, translate Twitter into 35 languages initially. And we did see a lot of the international growth. We see it explode from something that only a few nerds use to something that you, you know, your family use. Yeah. And now I use it a lot. I, I use it to promote my French political views, silly jokes, random, you know, cursed thoughts, 
that need to be shared with the world. Yeah, I tried to use it less, but I not often, I don't know. Do you feel optimistic about Twitter? Well, I don't know if I feel optimistic, but I am very grateful for what Twitter has done for me. Like, I, I feel like, contrary to popular opinion, I feel like Twitter is full of wonderful people, very smart people, very funny people. I've gotten to meet a lot of good friends and, and weirdos on Twitter, and I'm very happy with what it is. And the future is a little uncertain because, you know, private companies do crazy things. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't feel like it's a negative thing. I think Twitter is a great place. I, I, I personally love it. I guess like, you know, look, I think the, first of all, I can't believe Twitter's still around. <laughs> like that's kind of the, like, I can't believe we're still on it. And so, I mean, I seriously, like, cause it was so big and so important. And I just kept like waiting for it to just be eclipsed by some other social media network. And it just kind of hasn't. So that's like the first thing. I think the thing is, is that the great things about Twitter now are just so taken for granted, right? Like they're just, they're just considered like, of course it's like that. Whereas like before, you know, we really had like a few, I mean, and when I say before, it's like a really before but like we just had some really big mainstream media outlets like calling the shots and now it's like it's just taken for granted that like the or an ordinary person can like tell their side of the story and we've seen that everywhere from like i don't know china to like black lives matter and um yeah so i guess i'm just i'm just sort of neutral right i mean i think it's like you know but I, but but yeah I, do, I don't subscribe to the like twitter is ruining the world camp so i guess in that sense i'm an optimist it, it is so easy to take twitter for granted. And in fact, there's someone in the Twitter spaces who might want to come on later who I was having a conversation with a couple of days ago who reminded me just how many opportunities, how many friendships and relationships and job opportunities can come up on the platform that we, you know, doesn't seem like that big of a deal when so much of our, st our life happens online. I'm curious, how long did it take you each to like find your Twitter voice because you both have very distinctive Twitter voices and they're different Twitter voices. I think Emily, you're, you're using Twitter in a much more professional sense now. And you've always had this like interesting journalistic take on it. But when I look back at my first tweets, it took me quite a while to figure out what is this thing for and how do I want to use it? So I'm curious, what was the story like for you, Emily? Yeah. Yeah, so it's so funny that you say that because if you ever listen to Jack Dorsey talk about like the early days of Twitter and why he created it, it was like it the story goes something like he was walking in the park and he like saw a duck and he like wanted to tell his friends about the duck. It's like a it, he tells us in a really long-winded way, but it's like he just wanted to tweet like there's a duck. And you know, that's what Twitter was very early on. Because I guess most of the time that I've been on Twitter, I probably was in some sort of organization, you know, either a media organization. So yeah, you know, there's it always was kind of tied with my professional identity. I, you know, one kind of interesting problem I have now is that like I'm in the crypto world now, which, you know, I've only been in crypto for, for a few years and I did so many other things before that. And sometimes it's like a little bit challenging on Twitter because like I feel like when I tweet about crypto, like all my previous followers are just like, oh my God, shut up. I don't care about that. You know what I mean? So like, I think that that can be a challenging thing about Twitter. If you build a following based on sort of like one identity and then your, your identity shifts, it can be challenging to like, you know, who, who exactly are you talking to? So. I mean, imagine working at Twitter and then peacing yeah, out and yeah. then staying on it. What was that like for you, Lynn? And how did you find your voice on Twitter? Well, good question. I think I didn't tweet as much when I actually worked at Twitter. It just it just felt different. I think I, I started to be more expressive and more creative with it after I left. And yeah, I, I honestly kept it more 
I'm an unprofessional Twitter, right? <laughs> I, I basically tweet nothing about work. And I try to keep it as it originally was about what we're having for breakfast. And we saw a dog in the park because honestly, that's what I want to know. I love when people post their kids and their breakfasts and their sunsets and their wordle scores. That's what I want to see. I, the news, all of that is really interesting and intense and I appreciate it, but I still use it because I like people as individuals, I guess. I mentioned how deeply I love some of my favorite accounts are, are the weird ones, the ones that just post these, these sort of, they feel like, like just brain, like little snippets that just leaked out of the brain and onto a tweet. And your, a lot of your tweets are like that. And they've made me smile a tremendous amount just in the last few weeks that I've followed your account. And I think the pinned tweet that you have that says, I'm sorry, my tweets failed to capture the totality of human experience kind <laughs> of points to this beautiful tension. I want to talk about weird Twitter. Hmm. Weird Twitter. Like, can, what, what's an example of weird Twitter? I think I need you to be a little bit more specific. Like, there's so many different, like, varieties of weirdness. Like, what do you mean exactly? It's mm-hmm. the people that are tweeting observations on whether, you know, whether something's a taco or not. You know, and, that's, and, <laughs> yeah. and, 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 and suddenly there's like a, a 22 thread thing on whether these things are like, I remember, I, I forgot who started it, where there was a tweet thread about whether hot dogs were tacos. Mm-hmm. And that to me is delightful that, that, that Twitter can become this space where people seriously engage in conversation around some things that are quite ridiculous. Yeah. I feel like I need to follow more of those, those accounts now that you say that, because it, it's true. It's like, you know, now I feel like, you know, a lot of institutions or a lot of like workplaces are getting like, I don't know, like a little bit more strict about, you know, what their employees say, or even if they aren't officially strict, like people still feel bound by like representing a certain institution. So I feel like we're Twitter. I don't interact with it as much as I, maybe I, maybe I should now I'm like, okay, I need to find some of these hot dog taco accounts you're talking about. Right. I feel like I need to follow way more hot dog. Yeah. 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 And this is something that came up. up I'll follow up with you on that. You can send me those links. So. This came up in the conversation that Luis and I had earlier, the, the podcast that we recorded. is is just how I, a few years ago, got very sucked into workplace-related Twitter, which I think really can dictate how you use it. Yeah, I think I, I prefer the Twitter that is weird. Professional Twitter is not my favorite. I know some people follow me for professional reasons, but I think they live pretty quickly <laughs> because most of, of my posts, I mean, I what I found most delightful about Twitter is that you can find smart people that make such niche little jokes. You know, you can find someone making a joke about topology and gender, you know, and, and those little things that are brilliant and that have a very limited audience are fascinating to me. Yeah, I don't think the algorithm rewards that kind of thing. I think Twitter as a company made a decision that they wanted to highlight celebrities and media and people who could get a lot of followers in the hundreds of thousands. But I think what's not highlighted by the algorithm or not that interesting to the company in general is that other Twitter that is made of people with lower follower counts, but they are very specific, very niche, and, and usually very smart. And I like that. 
finding niches takes work, right? I mean, that's what I've discovered. I Every few months, I'll sit down and, and, and sort of follow the breadcrumb trails of like, oh, this is a witty, weird, niche account that's tweeting. There's a great one that I discovered called the Cats with Jobs. And it's just pictures of cats that look like they're doing human jobs. <laughs> and it, it's, it's magnificent. And I found it because I, I like went into one user's Twitter profile to see what accounts they followed and found it. So it's like the opposite of the algorithm surfacing it for me. And the algorithm almost never surfaces that stuff for me. And I wonder if, if maybe that's how we could like rescue algorithms if they just lean into weird well, I feel like I feel like what you guys are describing is TikTok, you know, I mean, I just kind of feel like like because because it's a, for me now at this point, like I very rarely have like super weird, crazy stuff turn up on my Twitter feed. And it's my fault, right? I'm just probably following like too many like minded people. But like TikTok, on the other hand, it's like, yeah, you don't really choose. I mean, I don't you know, you will just get stuff on your for you page that is, you know, it's algorithmic, but it, you're I'm more likely just to see something like totally weird, or something totally out there. And I feel like for that purpose, for just like being exposed to completely like new content, like TikTok is probably stronger than than Twitter. So I want to open it up to listeners. If there are any listeners in the spaces that want to chime in with some thoughts, please raise your hand. But let me put one more question to Emily and Lena first. And this might, I'd, I'd really be curious to hear from the other people in the spaces about this. And that is, what, what, ha what hacks, what little tricks have you learned along the way to make Twitter either a more useful or a more delightful experience? Sure. Yeah, I'm an aggressive blogger, but a lot of the people I blog, I, I do it through the API. So it's an automated process. And mostly because while I work at Twitter, I accumulated an enormous amount of like weird, abandoned, fake accounts following me. So I try to block all of those. But I think, yeah, blocking, muted. I don't know. I think that's all I do. I've, I've never wanted it to be private. Like I'm not interested in having a private account, but I do notice that sometimes when one of your tweets reaches escape velocity, right? It gets retweeted and it goes viral, I guess, or whatever, but it goes outside of your normal reach. Then you start getting weird comments. People don't understand you. It's just the, the tweet loses the context of your regular following and that gets pretty aggressively bad. That's something that the platform doesn't give me, I guess, a way to limit the reach of a tweet without making it private. Yeah, I, I don't have anything too exciting to add to that. Just, you know, the Twitter, your Twitter feed is something that you can tailor and you can customize and there's no reason to like subject yourself to unpleasant experiences and someone who's arguing in bad faith or insulting you, there's just no reason to engage with those people. So I'm going to come back and ask about what you would like from Twitter, the, your feature request. But first, let me hand it over to Aquila. My name is Aquila, and I am in love with Twitter. I really started to ramp up my Twitter in the past three years. And I know this sounds cliche. It's completely changed my life for the better and my brand. One thing about Twitter, there is a lot. It's an amazing search engine. So if you're looking for people who are like-minded or in your niche, searching those keywords, can really find you some like phenomenal accounts with you know people who are thought leaders people who are leading that space so take that time to curate your twitter experience following any and everyone because the tweet is viral will really make your feed a bit spammy 
and not really give you that refreshing feeling when you come on the platform. Thank you so much for bringing it up because it's such an underutilized feature. But man, the search, not just the search in the app, but the advanced search, that is is wild. Like you can block it off by time. Like it, there's so much information on Twitter that if you really use the search function, I connected with some lovely Star Trek geeks because of the search function. So huge gold star <laughs> on bringing up search. Thank you so much for, for, for sharing your perspective on that. And I quickly want to put a question on the table to everyone, which is who else has had this like on and off again relationship with Twitter that sort of feels like, you know, the, the Elizabeth Taylor and Richard Burton, like they're divorced, they're married, they're divorced, they're married. Like, have you had these, these like, I, I deleted my account, but then I came back. And if so, what brought you back? Emily, you unmuted first. You willing to go? <laughs> yeah, I, I have not ever deleted my Twitter account or left Twitter. I guess I was never like so big on Twitter that that became necessary. I feel like that is a problem for people either who are just like really glued to it and following it all the time, or they have some like massive, like they kind of blow up and then they get like a million people in their feed and criticizing them, you know, either like they have something really notorious happen or they just are addicted to the app. Lena, I remember a tweet from you saying that you were rage deleting a thread which i loved because that resonates for me i don't know if you're willing to share that story or experience but have you, <laughs> have you taken a break from twitter i have taken breaks from twitter and it's been great but it's also great to come back because i miss my friends they all live in the computer and what have i oh yeah i i rage deleted a couple of threads where it's the same thing, right? They start going outside of my regular follower circle and then people start misunderstanding it, commenting weird stuff, I don't know, finding issues with it. And I'm like, I don't have time to deal with this. I also delete all of my old tweets. I use an app to delete all of my old tweets. So my oldest tweet should be 30 days old or something like that. I think it's better if things are ephemeral and I don't feel like I need to save my silly thoughts there forever. Actually, I, mean, I can tell on. you like the, the the sort of closest I've come to abandoning Twitter, which is for like a really dumb reason, is it was like during the height of the like humble brag phenomenon, like when it was like before it became a joke when people were just like humble bragging on Twitter all the time, you know, like, oh my God, like my hair and my makeup was such a mess when I went to pick up my Nobel Prize, like that kind of thing. Like, I don't know, that, that, there was like a couple years where I just found it really, really unbearable. I felt like people were using Twitter in this very annoying way that that almost drove me off that was the closest I've come to being like I don't like this platform Cody thanks for for jumping in and participating what's on your mind oh I was just gonna comment on a question about tips when Aquila talked about search it reminded me one one successful uh tactic I've found for finding weird stuff is just searching for the random thing I'm thinking or doing. Oftentimes it's a song that's in my head. So that kind of takes me into, you know, places or, or discussions I might not often find on Twitter. And I love to hear, you know, random jokes. If you have a joke that, you know, riffs on the Plums poem, I will retweet that every time. It's a witty platform, right? It, Lena, it's definitely worth clicking on Lena's timeline. She's, I think she's a master at this. Absolutely. Um, That's why I'm here. Great when, great when people crack on like whatever they see in the day or whatever's happening in the news. And Cody, what you said about search, I mean, 
this sort of ties back to the question that we put on the table about what features would you like to see from Twitter to make it a better experience? And one of the things that I mentioned to Luis is I want Twitter to do a better job at introducing to people who introducing me to other people who have similar interests or are talking about similar things. And Luis said, man, why don't you just do that yourself? Why don't you use Twitter search and, you know, put in the URL and then see yeah. what other people are saying about it. And I've started to do that over the past few weeks. It's a good way to meet people. It's a good way to remember what the internet used to feel like. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with Twitter and if it's able to survive after the lawsuit and all of that, I guess we'll find out after October. But I like the experimentation is coming back. So one of the, the things that, that has come up that I think is a re really interesting and it, and it goes back to something that the, the forgotten Twitter founder, Noah, often said, which was that it was about a solution or, or maybe a, 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 a balm for loneliness. And I know I have often turned to Twitter for that. A few years ago, I had a terrible bouts of insomnia and Twitter was a fantastic space to feel a little less lonely at four in the morning when I just couldn't get to sleep. And it was like walking into a room where some of your friends are still up. So yeah, not to like bring this up again, but for me, like TikTok actually serves the function more than Twitter. Just like in, in terms of just like, especially during the pandemic, like I found like, because like I couldn't necessarily choose what came into my feed, it really gave this feeling of just like looking into like the windows of strangers. Cause a lot of stuff that comes up to my feed in TikTok is like, you know, random people in their cars, like telling their life stories. I guess like TikTok has figured out that I'm interested in that kind of thing, you know? Lena, what about you? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's that's one of my uses of Twitter, right? Like, it's, it's feeling other people out there who are thinking about crazy things, reading articles, listening to music, playing some games, and they are all there. I mean, it doesn't matter what time. If I post, I can't sleep. There's always someone who replies. And I really like it. It's a, it's a, very human connection. It's still there for me, even though it's been over a decade. Um, and yeah, I, I really love it. I, I find that it's an open connection to the world. And I really do put my heart on it. I, I try to be very, very open and earnest at Twitter because I feel like, you know, being snarky and sarcastic on Twitter, is, it's, it's not fun. It's not brave, you know? It's, it's much braver to put your heart out there as a real person and to be able to make connections with people. So, Emily, we, we've only got a few minutes left. Emily and Lena, while you're here, I have a couple of quick questions for you each that are somewhat Twitter related. Emily, I'm going to start with you first. I read an article, you probably read the same article because you know, you follow Cuba internet, the Cuba internet beat. Mm. And that is that Cubans are taking to Twitter spaces in a major way because the government is not able to monitor and censor it as much as regular Twitter, or at least the monitoring, right? Do you think that Twitter spaces, do you think that audio is the future of Twitter? Or do you think that text will persevere? That's it. I mean, all, I, I can say, and this is just very anecdotal, but I've definitely heard people like, so 
Twitter spaces do well in, in China also. Like there's definitely a big like Chinese Twitter space community. And I, I haven't heard about that specifically with censorship, but I do know that, for example, like I've heard people say things like they feel safer leaving WeChat audio messages rather than text, just because it's like, there's just like one extra step, right? In terms of like keyword filtering, you know, like for somebody to actually go through and like listen to all those messages. Now, of course, like governments will figure out a way to catch up with audio. But yeah, I think there's probably an element of truth of that for now. But like if audio ever became like a big use for like dissident technology, then yeah, they would figure out a way to like more quickly filter out audio keywords. So, you know, I think there's a little bit of room for now, but, you know, I don't know how long that would last. Yeah, that sounds right to me. All right, Lena, turning to you and, and keeping on the topic of the future of text, we're both book lovers. Is Twitter good or bad for reading books? For reading books, I think it's good. I've discovered and have been recommended a lot of great books via Twitter. I tell you that it's bad for writing books because <laughs> I've been trying to write one for a long time and I can't. But no, yeah, I think I've, I've read great things because the great people I follow tend to post what they're reading. And yeah, it's a great discovery platform. So... Thank you guys for choosing to pay attention to this inaugural Twitter space. We will hopefully be doing more of these as we keep publishing our podcast episodes. Thank you, Emily. Thank you, Lena. I look forward to, to our continued Twitter interactions, both uh, online and, and the offline ones that will follow. And uh, David, do you want to say anything before we close out and let everyone get back to doom scrolling? <laughs> yeah what what is this what is this hopefully business i thought i thought this is a firm commitment a date that that about a month from now we're going to have a twitter spaces where we're going to discuss our reflections about growing up with 1990s masculinity and how this, our and how we feel about masculinity definitely we'll right. be here next month well big thanks to you emily and lena aquila and cody thanks for coming in thanks for everyone for showing up today it was fun and hopefully we'll see you all in about a month or so